2,400 times a year, 44 times a week, nine times a day, every 48 minutes. That's how many times a bad review is added to RottenTomatoes.com. This is Rotten Rewind, <laughs> podcast that rehabilitates films that failed to cross the 60% threshold. The Rotten Tomato sets as its freshness scale. I'm Max Rue. And I'm Courtney Peranto. Is that a, like, how did you choose that statistic? <laughs> Well, clearly you didn't watch Den of Thieves. Oh, so you just copied exactly. I thought maybe you did a tiny amount of like rudimentary. No, no Christian Gutigas already did the research for me, so I don't. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, Max and I are about to get greasy, bloated, and loaded with you as we roll up our Old Spice smelling sleeves and speak on two overlooked genre films by one of Rotten Rewind's favorite daddies, Gerard Butler. Yeah. First, we're going to wade into what I consider my territory, um, the mean-spirited romantic comedy, and revisit 2009's The Ugly Truth, directed by Rob Luketic, who sure. is probably better known for directing fucking Legally Blonde. And then we're going to turn to, I think, like Max's genre, like a dirtbag fave. The yeah. 2018 cop slash heist flick, sorry, Den of Thieves. By, okay, is this right? First time director, but a screenwriter yeah. of another Gerard Butler banger, London Has Fallen. I have never seen We're joined by a longtime listener, first time caller, my friend, very talented actor and writer, Morgan Phillips. Thank you. Hi. It's an honor, an honor and a privilege. Up, Fuck bro? yeah, I know, I know it is. We've been waiting for this. We wanted to, we wanted to get you on, but we had to wait for a Gerard Butler movie. You think you're the bad guys? So that's why you wanted to do this movie is because you love him. Who Gerard Butler? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into all of Who it. Who doesn't? Excuse me. So many people, so many of the people that like I interact with on my daily life that like n- aren't necessarily like movie people. They were like, why do you like this fucking guy? Him and Ben Affleck are the two that I think Max kind of like turned me around on. And now like, I'm like, I ride hard for. And rightfully um, so. I think people yeah. just, people hate winners and uh, they don't like to see <laughs> guys, they don't like to see these guys thriving the way that they are. <laughs> yeah, I think Gerard and Ben would, I got, is there a movie that Gerard Butler and Ben Affleck are in together? I don't think no, they're No, but really. that would no, be so great. I think I they took, to took out Ray Fiennes from Corleonis and put in Ben Affleck. <laughs> ben Affleck should not do Shakespeare the same way Keanu should not do uh, Shakespeare. I mean, Ben, ben, ben yeah. might be a little bit more comfortable, but um, like even it the pictures. It like the vibe of Shakespeare. You know what I mean? I would say that oh, ben wait, he's in Shakespeare cannot love. do Jane. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, Fuck. I don't think that Ben can do Jane Austen. Mm. If Michael Mann made a movie with Gerard Butler and Ben Affleck together, that would work. I think that would be... Great. I think I would be very happy. Let's should we talk about Gerard? I want to talk about him. I think we should uh, We should start with the ugly truth. He's definitely an actor, again, that I sort of have, like, come around on recently because I think I was just, like, you know, I'm one of those dumb idiots. Like, I was doing what people do did to, like... Uh, Everybody like who comes around on Gerard Butler, I was a fucking idiot before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I get it's, it. like, it's like what we were talking about, like the way that Anna Faris was treated or Anna Faris mm. was treated. Is it like, because she's so good at playing a type, I think that sometimes people confused her for being that kind of person. And I think that I'm guilty of doing that with Mr. Butler. And so I'm sorry, but I'm going to describe the ugly Apology truth now. accepted. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let's start um, with the ugly so. truth. Abby wants a lot in a man. Oh my. <laughs> Mike knows men only want one thing. I like a woman on top. Oh, gross. On July 24th. If you want this guy, laugh at whatever he says. <laughs> now that was perfect. Real or fake? You'll never know. The truth. We have to teach you flirting. I know how to flirt. Isn't pretty. You have to be two people. The librarian and the stripper. 
Katherine Heigl, Gerard Butler. Would you stop doing that? Is it turning you on? Maybe. Sucker. The Ugly Truth, rated R, in theaters July 24th. It's a, it's a tale as old as time. In, in the in rom-com world, it kind of is. So a young, beautiful, but triple, triple, triple A-type local television producer, Abby, played by Katherine Heigl, is forced to work with sort of like a shock jock slash self-proclaimed ladies man, uh, Mike, who's played by Gerard Butler. I think his character is like fashioned after Adam Carolla, I would say. But they have to work together to help save her floundering morning show, co-anchored by a pent-up husband and wife team played by Cheryl Hines and John Michael Higgins. I totally forgot that they were in this. As a pair, spar professionally, they have to admit that their working chemistry is through the roof. And after Abby develops an infatuation with her hot doctor neighbor, Colin, she agrees to submit herself to Mike's regressive gender politics to win Colin over. Mike's misogynistic suggestions work like a charm. And soon Colin and Abby are enjoying hikes, picnics, and fancy dinners out together. But of course, Mike gets jelly belly and realizes that he's actually horny for Abby's control freak charm. And after a business trip so that Mike can appear... On the Colin Ferguson show. Greg Ferguson. Who the fuck is Colin (laughs) Ferguson? Colin's the doctor. Colin's the doctor. Right, I got the names confused. But like that fucker that I haven't thought about 10 years. Abby and Mike's mutual (laughs) attraction reaches a point of no return. And Abby has to decide if she'd rather be with the man of her dreams on paper, the Colin guy, or the flesh and blood embodiment of everything she detests. Because like being single in these movies isn't a third option. This movie has a 14%. On Rotten Tomatoes, which makes a lot of sense. That checks out. 14% really. I don't um, know. I don't, does it check out? You know what doesn't check out? Mm-hmm. The fact that it made $320 million. 220. 220. No, no, 230 international, 320 worldwide, 88 million domestic. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I think we got different numbers. <laughs> Go to box office mojo, dude. All I know. That movie made over 300 million. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, here's what I will say. Holy like, shit, I don't know. it did. So let's let's talk let's talk about this setup though because Courtney did throw some shade earlier at Legally Blonde, which admittedly I love I'm that not, movie. I did not no, throw no, shade at Legally most, Blonde. No, she said I he's, he's most, most known notable. for it. Oh, oh, oh! Well, clearly, I'm not, I have no qualms against Legally Blonde. Okay. I no, Legally Blonde is a great movie. It's the first DVD I ever owned. This guy also <laughs> did Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Yep, Killers. Also not that bad of a movie. Win yes, a Date with agreed. Tad Hamilton, not Killers. <laughs> But it seems like these like blonde, white, female driven fish out of water comedies is like this guy's wheelhouse for sure. So they he was yeah. like their all star pick for director. And in terms of in terms of Catherine Heigl, what would we say her, her film breakout was knocked up in yeah. 07. Unless you count yeah. some of her adolescent roles like Wishing on a Star. But yes, mm. uh, I would say under like Siege 2, Dark Territory, she plays Stephen Seagal's niece that he has to And then, say. of course, on television, she was in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and I think that right. her plot climax because she wanted to fuck a ghost from <laughs> what I understand from a roommate at the time really watching that show. I would like wonder in and oh, out that of that was like room. a subplot on the show? The sub- so I think what it was was like the, the fucker that looks like Javier Bardem but isn't him, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. His, so he was a <laughs> patient at Grey's Anatomy and they fall in love but he's like terminal and he dies and then she like wants to fuck his ghost so bad and I think that she might die too. Yeah I feel like Jeffrey Dean Morgan is kind of like in Gerard Butler territory but he's actually like a scumbag. I think Gerard Butler's a good guy but Jeffrey Dean Morgan you're like oh wait I think you're actually a bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Listen, I think 14% like makes sense, but I just don't think. Oh yeah, it makes sense as far as like, you know, a rom-com. And I don't know how you two watch this, but like I watch this as this movie is supposed to be watched, like with sweatpants on with my two best girlfriends. Mm. And we had the best time. This movie starts out with Katy Perry's hot, like it's hot and it's cold. Like, so it's like pre-teenage dream, like pre her uber like her her like i would i think teenage dream is a perfect record so it's like before you knew that she was going to be an icon right. it just it's hot and it's cold it is it, like the premise is so trite that i love it because it's like oh it's not trying to do any work it's not trying to reinvent the wheel or like be cute the way something like train wreck is it's just like trying to do what all the other ones are doing they, they like waste it. no time i mean yeah i do appreciate like We've got Katy Perry needle drop. Immediately, there's some flyover shots of Sacramento. Not sure why we're in Sacramento, but the next thing we see- <laughs> Why not? <laughs> is that our, our protagonist, who's a busy professional because she's got a pencil skirt on and she's talking on the phone as she's like locking her beautiful apartment door. And then she's driving a Prius, so we know she's a good person. It's just like, we get right into it, right into yeah. the movie. And I, I do appreciate the fact that it's like 90 minutes, first of all, but also yep. that it's just like, here we go. This is it. This is what you get. I feel like it kind of also has- I know the hangover came out the same year, but it, the ugly truth feels like it's trying to like tap into the female rom-com, but also trying to do what the Apatow formula was at that time, especially like after knocked up and kind of how that set the path for comedy for the next few years. So I feel like it's trying to bring in the like hard R gross out yeah. comedy stuff a little bit, but it's still a little tame. Like the first like 15 minutes of this movie were rough. I was like, I think I'm going to really hate this movie. Had and- you not seen it before? I had not seen no no I had, I listened <laughs> excuse me I, this is probably my third time seeing it it's like I don't know it's like a comforting watch for me like if it's on Netflix watch instant and I have something to do I will watch it I will say like I think Catherine Heigl's I think her perfect rom-com is 27 dresses but this is probably like I have seen 27 dresses I think that movie's great but I mean Gerard's so great because like in 27 dresses the guy's like supposed to be a dirtbag but it's James Marsden and he's like he yeah. just seems like kind of sweet Marsden. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And in this one, like, I do like that the hard R elements come from, like, Gerard Butler's character just being, like, an actually gross person. There's some dialogue that we'll go over. He is basically fucking Frank TJ Mackey through, like, a monster energy drink. <laughs> like, like, he's, he's literally he's like Adam like, Carolla, Howard Stern. Like he's like, yeah, that I guess he was of... based on Adam Carolla and Gerard Butler apparently like went behind the scenes um, of Adam Carolla's podcast. Oh. And no, I think the man show at that point was Rogan and Doug Stanhope, I think is what it was at that time. Okay. Uh, but I guess he hung out with Adam Carolla uh, in an effort to thoroughly understand the quote unquote man's man in American society. <laughs> uh, different in Scotland. <laughs> and like, you know, it's based on the man show when he does a thing where he like takes a jello bath with the babes and yeah. you're like oh that's like the same as like the jumping on trampoline i can still bit. taste you you know what i mean when he falls in uh the jello bath what is this the security guard is in the background he's like oh shit <laughs> i will say i think uh katherine heigl is very good me too i was very surprised how good she is in this like she is disarmingly charming and good in this. I think she's just so in the pocket of this movie and the genre exactly. that like she actually is the reason. And I, and I think Gerard's good in it, but she's, I think, what made me kind of warm up to the movie a little bit more. Like, I think it got like 20 minutes are, in. I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, there there are scenes that are really stupid, like from a writing standpoint where I'm like, this is just like literally the whole scene is centered around a cheap kind of gag. 
Yeah. But she does such a good job of selling it. Like the underwear scene yeah. the, at the, you know, uh, shareholder meeting or whatever, the executives. She's great. Yeah, yeah. She's she great. has vibrating Well, we underwear. can tell people what that scene is because it's clearly yeah. trying to like up the ante <laughs> of the when Harry met Sally fake orgasm mm-hmm. and by doing it. So we learn um, that for some reason, Catherine Heigl doesn't masturbate because she finds it impersonal. And as a gift. I, AI, I will say that of all the stuff that Gerard Butler, sorry, Courtney, of all the stuff that Gerard Butler says, if you don't want to have sex, with you then why the hell would Colin I was like that's low-key brilliant and an yeah. excellent case for masturbation no yeah, yeah yeah I totally I super agree with that but then instead of buying her like a great vibrator he buys her panties that have a remote so you can control them and that's not really like a masturbation toy I think that's like low-key boring kink toys where it's like oh you would give that to your stupid boyfriend so you could like basically sexually harass a server in like the worst way possible so then she like tries them on and then they go out to dinner and her shitty boyfriend has actually he's not shitty he's just boring he has to come to not come physically but like come to the dinner and then the remote control gets put in the hands of like an adolescent child so at this point, the movie's like kind of child pornography in a weird way. Cause like, I don't want a child involved in an orgasm mm-hmm. ever. Like I don't even want to make one through an orgasm. So like the, I was like squicked out. But anyway, but she is like super good in it. Like, I think it's a really funny scene. And like one of my girlfriends is like me where she has seen a million of these movies and she's seen this movie before. And she was like, I just can't wait for this moment to happen. Like it's her favorite part. Like that is like the money shot for her. And then my other friend doesn't watch any movies like this and was just like astounded the whole time. And her commentary was incredible. We'll get into that later. Maya was just like, the whole time like she doesn't understand like even the star system because she's just not a movie person so whereas like I'm set up to obviously we're all set up to think Katherine Heigl and Gerard Buckler they're gonna fuck you know that's mm-hmm. this movie she just kept going really sincerely well they can't because they work together fair very fair yeah of all the HR <laughs> potential HR violations you can't that's, do that no yeah yeah, yeah. That. I thought that scene was was I, I I think by about like 30 like 20 30 minutes and I kind of just surrendered to it and was just like yeah. I just kind of laid down and was like fuck it just do your thing and let's 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 go with this and what are you doing I'm looking for the remote what remote for the, oh the underwear But I, I was surprised how invested I became in it because I think that they're both really charming and good together. They have chemistry. Like the guy who plays Colin is like a mannequin as a person. Yeah. He, also, I want to shout so out boring. the fact that he asks her to go to the Devils game, which I'm like, is that the minor league baseball team? So this fucking I was really confused. Doctor yeah. slash surgeon's best idea of a date is to take you to a minor league baseball game on a weekend. <laughs> so lame. Also, when she first calls him at work, he's so pissed off that she's calling him. Yeah, like, and he's not happy about it. He's just like, 
Yeah. He's so frustrated by her. She says, is this Doug? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. Says, and then he says, who's Doug? Which, by the way, I'm like, that is a very forward question to ask someone. Yeah, that's a red flag, if anything. <laughs> if he's immediately like, I'm sorry, what? And then her first blind date is with Kevin Connolly, a.k.a. I like that scene E from Entourage. Who... She, like, prints out his online dating profile and then kind of uses it as, he's like, a He's pretty good in this scene, too. He's solid. Yeah, he is good he in this thing. scene. I love that one of the behind the scenes bits for this movie, because there's just so little information on this movie, because why would there be like an oral history of the ugly truth? But one of them is Kevin Connolly's character, Jim, is supposed to be five feet, eight inches tall. In real life, Connolly is actually five foot five. They just had to make a point on the trivia to let you know, like, actually, he's really small. I mean, I think I... (laughs) ridden this hobby horse before on this show but I do not understand like the height like yeah 5'8 is apparently considered like short for a dude and like girls like I know women that like won't date someone like under six feet and I just think it's like so mean and ridiculous like I I don't love that like that scene really like plays into the pocket of that but I also think it's like a real thing it's like the one thing that girls get to be so mean about where guys kind of like have it all like they can be mean about our weight our nails our hair like everything but I was just like fuck the height thing I don't know I like that little guy uh, that's how you end up with the bagel boss Uh, also wait you don't remember the bagel boss in New York the guy who went viral who was like five foot three he was like like, you fucking women on your donut I'll kill myself yeah, it's so mean. Wait, have either one of you seen He's Just Not That Into You? Long time ago. He's really good in it. that movie. I mean, we have to do that one sometime. Um, it, it, it's Ben's like in an, it? Uh-huh. Ben is he, in it. I think he's like really good in it, actually. I think it like kind of, I mean, I think that movie is like propaganda, but I kind of enjoy for, it. For what? <laughs> for women to hate themselves more. It, cause like that, I feel like you so, could say that about a lot of 2000s rock but, but He's Not That Into You is sort of, it's as if the movie He's Not That Into You is exactly what this character, the Gerard Butler's character, it's like as it, it's as if that guy wrote a book. Because it's based on sort of like the fuck, rules yeah. type of book. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's about how like the ways to get men to like you are to like pretend that you might cuck them, pretend like you don't care. <laughs> um, and then it makes a narrative around this like assholes idea so it is sort of like if the mike character got to write a book that's like very similar to like the rules yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some lines along along that uh, kind of theme which is uh here's one of my favorites when we ask you how you're doing it's just guy code for let me stick my dick in your ass which <laughs> yeah. i'm like that doesn't even make any sense <laughs> if i ask you how you're doing i want you to know that i'm thinking about putting my cock in your fucking asshole <laughs> yeah it's like it's not even like pussy it's like butt <laughs> and in, in the same in that same scene my favorite part is the end when Catherine heigl says why is it my responsibility to inspire an erection why isn't it his job to which gerard butler has a throwaway and he goes shut up <laughs> and i'm just like beautiful beautiful i mean it was barely on camera It is, I will say that a kind of like the whole, maybe you guys can help me flesh this out. Like when, when she, the, the moment that she just decides to suddenly like abandon all of her, you know, sticking points about this guy and and how he's wrong and just is like, yeah, you know what, maybe he's something to it. I'll, I'll give in. Let's see what he's got. It seems to be like that meeting they have in her office, the one-on-one where the the doctor, she calls the doctor, but she, she just like, for someone who is so kind of set in her ways, it's just like, all right, let's give it a shot. Because I think yeah. that she's like a professional above all. And she is able to recognize that they work well together. And then she's able to like, I think in her head, she's telling herself that I'm going to exploit that to fuck this other guy. You know, he sneaks game. in. I kind of believe, I kind of buy all of that stuff because like there's been people who are, 
I will not name in my life that I'm like, this person's like not as cute as I am, not that cool, but I kind of like them. And then I tell myself that I'm going out just to drinks with them. And then like that happens 20 times and then I have sex with them. And I'm like, fuck, oops, I hate myself. Not again. I do think that Gerard Butler's look in this is just Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye Blind. Oh, the the, the sweater with the the zip up sweater with the terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, He looks so much like Stephen (laughs) Jenkins. And like the kind of grown out Caesar cut. Yeah, yeah, he does have, yeah, post-90s Third Eye Blind Stephen Jenkins look. It's uh-huh. just like, what's going on with you? <laughs> he's like still trying to be a rock star, but he's not. Single Worth dad rock Gerard star. Butler was, was in a rock band uh, before he was in law school. I mean, that totally That's right. Yeah, yeah. I always, I did a, yeah, I did a deep dive on Gerard Butler's history. Did you know that he um, has tinnitus? <laughs> he cannot hear out of his right ear. I did. I did not. Well, you did. did. (laughs) You did. I I also did my research. I thought it was mom. (laughs) I mean, another great line that's like, I feel like along the same lines as the one you pointed out, Morgan, is at some point he says, we fall in love with your tits and your ass and we stick around for what you're willing to do with them. Beautiful. Was that Wordsworth who said that? (laughs) (laughs) There's there's all these moments I want to say, though, like I do, like I said, I do. I want to double back. Like Catherine Heigl, I think, is very good. And I think Gerard is doing the best what he has the the things that kill me are like these i just wish that and i think this was kind of like the era where this was huge but these little moments of exposition like when Catherine heigl puts on the vibrating underwear then the doorbell rings she literally says out loud he said he was running late what is he doing here already i'm like what come on we don't need that. Like, do people figure it out, you know? And like, yeah. and in the scene where she does have the orgasm at the table and then Ger- Gerard Butler says, uh, what does he say? He's, oh, thanks for coming tonight to dinner. And it should have just ended. The joke should have ended there. It kept going. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of coming. I'm like, okay, yeah. Right. yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Uh, especially because it's from the writers of Legally Blonde too, which is also really funny and like witty script. It's mm-hmm. not the best. They also wrote 10 Things I Hate About You. Like they, it's three women who wrote this. Yeah, it's not the greatest script. I mean, I think Catherine Heigl, once again, like, is so in the pocket of this material that she can make it work. I haven't seen Killers with Ashton Kutcher. I don't think it's probably good. I mean, I don't um, think the script is that bad either. It. Like, I think it is them trying to like level up to kind of like something about Mary humor and that maybe just isn't their wheelhouse. But I do think there's so many little jokes that are so good that are mm-hmm. usually from Katherine Heigl. Like my favorite move- moment in the movie is when Colin comes to surprise her on the business trip mm-hmm. and yeah. she so it's like near the end of the movie and he's telling her that the reason why he likes her is because she's pretty and because like she's not like other girls because she doesn't she's not like super type a and she just like undresses herself basically and she's like no i am like for instance this should be chilled about the wine like the yeah. whole time yeah. she actually does have a list of things that are like pissing her off about him and i think that she's so good in that And that's a scene that I feel like I live in every day that I go on a date because I am that person. Like I obviously like this is a hyperbole. So I don't think I'm like as obnoxious as her, but like I think I'm probably really close. Like I'm not great on a date. And so I like that moment a lot. And I also like how like it really that moment is supposed to like climax on her taking out her extensions oh, as no. if like after that she would look like the fucking hunchback a Notre <laughs> Dame her hair is just I know I think I was like oh you look long. better yeah I was like yeah. oh it looks nice on you and she looks like ashamed yeah you know, she's she like looked- this is who I really am okay <laughs> and, and I should I should clarify too like I shouldn't I shouldn't pin that on the writers the exposition stuff because who knows it could have been like a dumb producer on set who's like I don't think it's clear you know we gotta add a line I about. think that it is that so th- that that happens a lot too and so but to your point Courtney I do think for the most part the script is pretty sharp you know yeah. like a lot of the jokes are clippy they they work like 
in the beginning when she's doing the walk and talk with, by the way, special shout out to Brie Turner, the actress who played her associate producer, Joy. Oh, I yeah. thought she was hilarious. Like She's, she's good. Really I did good. write down my very first note of the movie is they clearly couldn't get Judy Greer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Judy Greer, I feel like, is the go-to actress for like, so you're the friend. Yes, um, she is. You're going to give her advice. Is. Well, yeah, Judy exactly. Greer, yeah, it, like it used to be Joan Cusack and then it was Judy Greer. And- <laughs> but, Brie, I, but Brie Turner was great. I mean, for she me, good, yeah. for me, Brie Turner and like, also, Cheryl Hines and John Michael Higgins. Uh, Always the, great. The, the hardest I laughed in the entire movie is the whole improv. I have to believe it was improv where he's like, there's a bird in my dressing room. And the, guy, <laughs> and the producer's like, it's like, I don't know what kind of bird. It's a goddamn bird. Like, it's just that whole, I was like, I have to believe that. was Their, their whole fodder and him and Cheryl Hines are both such good improvisers. They're so good. Uh, yeah, another funny thing that they say that I think is so real for the time too, because I think that we pretend we're like more woke and carry now as they're like, okay, up next, we're going to go through like, who's in rehab now? <laughs> that is a joke that I think is pretty funny. Spe- speaking of wokeness though, I do appreciate there was some diversity in the newsroom. I mean, Yvette Nicole Brown was one of the producers. Very uh, sidelined right. though. <laughs> yes. And I was like, albeit not a lot of people, uh, but the guy who worked in the control room as well. We did our best. <laughs> yeah. I, it, I was like, all right, at least they made an effort you know it's like these kind of movies i feel like in the early aughts it's just you're used to seeing like all white dudes it's in the pretty blindingly white yeah the yeah newsroom. yeah i mean i think most of the actors are are all good even the guy who plays colin i don't necessarily blame the guy i don't really know what he's supposed no, to do except be he's, a boring kendall when they're at the fancy de- dinner he goes what is ceviche is that oh. what he says he see, he's like what is ceviche and i was like mm, i like that line <laughs> <It's> an idiot <laughs> Yeah, he's like um, a dumb idiot. Yeah. The the one thing that his like I felt bad for him. The whole I kind of hated. I'll be honest. The whole like jerk off at the baseball game joke. I thought it was just like such a cheap gag and not very funny. Yeah. But but then afterwards, what literally made me like cringe. You know, people have like trigger words. It's almost like ASMR. When he said that, he, they they kiss and he goes, that definitely made up for my wet crotch. And I was like, oh. don't say crotch. crotch. Like. Ew. And then she yeah. said it again, or he said it, someone else said it again. And I was like, enough with the crotch. That that and the flicking your bean. My weenie. Thing. Yeah, the flicking like, the bean sucks. Yeah, flicking the bean is not a good term. That should not, not be a good. term that should have even been used in 2009. <laughs> that was um, probably the thing that we talked about the most. Like when my girlfriends and I were watching this movie, it was just like, God, you just have to, like, unfortunately, like, use the male verbiage. Like, I think I say jack off or would get off. Like, you don't, you don't create a new one. It's yeah. just, it's disgusting. Like, the piece of writing that I did like in this in this thing too is that like even though Gerard Butler is supposed to be sort of like a toxic masculine dude once he quits the show they have to replace him and then they replace him with a dude who actually is just a rapist Jack Magnum. Cancel that guy Jack yeah. Magnum was crazy I was like oh my god <laughs> this is that an guy incredible detail Jack Magnum reminded me this is the only time I'll ever compare this movie to Boogie Nights he reminds me of the guy that they replaced Dirk Diggler with who's just <laughs> on set who's just like yes, yes bitch, bitch who's just screaming with a gun to her head who's like oh yeah he's just really crazy yeah he says most of you watching this show so you can learn how to get are watching the show so you can learn how to get chicks well let me assure you you're in good hands you're looking at a guy who personally has had sex with over 137 different women most of them conscious oh. and then he says because just because she says no doesn't mean she means no if that were the case i'd have about 90 women it's probably a very realistic depiction of this yeah, guy, of that guy. <laughs> and like, cool. the i'm a doing the casting to replace mike i think Catherine Hagel really shines there too because she's just like yes yes no 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 absolutely not like yeah. she's like very mm-hmm. good and clippy in in moments like that and like they yeah. work together really well like the movie that i think that we discussed in the podcast is, is the most similar to it shares the most dna with how to lose a guy in 10 days which i i think 
I also really like. Love it. But I also think that not that a bad movie, movie. Yeah. No, no, no. Because I think the main actors are so charming together. True. To make it work. But I don't think that you want them to like. They have like comedic chemistry, but they don't have sexual chemistry. I do think that like, even though I never want a salsa dance, I want them to fuck. Wait, are, are you no, offended? I, are you a no, salsa dancer? No, that scene was hot. That's yeah. Scene I was, was like, hot. Mm, they no, they have good. Hot. They have good chemistry. I yeah, wanted like, to see them fuck an elevator. Right like, and Gerard, can, Gerard's got good good movement. He's pretty decent hip movement. I was like, for a white dude, like this guy, this guy can salsa a little bit. He's not I, American white. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I was also but like, yo, where, where is this spot? Where's La Noche Cubana in LA? Because oh, I, I would. Know. Well, they're not in LA. Oh wait. No, they are in LA. They are, they are in LA. Yeah, you yeah. should ask Adrian. Maybe he knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was all shout out to Adrian and his flamenco dancing. But yeah. there was there was also like uh, on LA details. I was I literally wrote down LOL at the yellow cab from LAX to the packed and buzzing lobby of the Century Plaza Hotel <laughs> in Century City across the street from CAA. Uh, and LOL at no traffic. <laughs> LOL at no traffic in LA. To segue from from what Courtney said, the, yeah, this I mean the salsa scene had me super super horny. And then I yeah. thought that they, they were both they were both really good and funny in the elevator scene. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were both They're really great. good. And then my favorite scene in the entire movie is when he goes to knock on her door and then she comes out and it's it's like one of probably the very few like serious not played for laughs at all scenes and they're both excellent. Yeah. Like, very vulnerable, very honest. I just loved yeah. seeing that side of both of them that they're clearly showing off their chops, like what they can both do dramatically. I also think that we should bring up that I do think the title of this movie is riffing on the old Cary Grant movie, the right. the awful truth. And I kept to the point that like when I was writing script this week, I kept writing the wrong one down. Right. And there's sort of a similar like tense scene about a door, like there's just like a door separating two people that I think that like this movie is actually playing on. And if you mm. haven't seen the awful truth, like I I also get very horny for that movie because it's really not about like what a director is like willing to show you. It's not about, because listen, Catherine Heigl is a beautiful woman and like her breasts look beautiful in this in this movie. It's like her hair is like so distractingly poorly styled because of the time period that it's in. Like it's right. it's, it's super fucking distracting. Well, that's what I mean. But I think when, when she takes her hair out, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, she looks a little bit better. <laughs> no, her hair is so bad in this movie. I mean, his costuming is really bad too because he's wearing, he's doing like the like jeans, unbuttoned, untucked in, like Listen, fresh the 2000s shirt. weren't too good. To no, I just feel really bad for <laughs> anyone that spent like maybe yeah. their hottest years in 2005 to 2010. Like that sucks. If, the, if those were your hottest years, like I sincerely feel, I will Venmo you um, <laughs> a little bit. Jordan Butler also just looks like a guy that's made to wear like bootcut jeans. Like he's just got to wear bootcut. Yeah. That's just, yeah. that's his fit. <laughs> but anyway, which, which is only to say that like, it's not like what someone is like physically showing you like to go back and watch the awful truth I think mm. is like super satisfying I don't think you obviously need to see it to see this movie but I think that it's like a fun yeah. clearly they're taking the name of the the ugly truth from the awful truth right also no. my girlfriends and I kept saying like I mean we're the kind of like self-hating women that still watch The Bachelor like we were like mm-hmm. you know what we really want to watch is one episode of his show that's what I want to watch oh sure. I would watch an episode of his show I'm sure it'd be funny and I, I also love that they give him the Frank TJ Mackey arc too in the end where they're like there's the girl that broke his heart and they kind of like they get at it a little bit kind of and then kind of forget about it like they're just like yeah fuck it <laughs> yeah have you seen failure like, to launch of course 
Okay. Well, I I, so in that one, it's like, it's trying to be like, oh, this girl broke his heart, but they need to like up the ante. So it's just like, actually she died. <laughs> gotcha. The thing that yeah, my girlfriend's dead. I've seen that. <laughs> I came home so laughs. drunk one night with Pat when we lived together and we watched the whole movie. <laughs> On oh, HBO, yeah. we watch all of Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass drunk at like three o'clock in the morning. We're like, this is so bad, but I can't stop watching. <laughs> it's a fucking banger. I do want to say really quickly too, Gerard Butler, one of my favorite moments of his is at the uh, minor league baseball game when he's coaching her um, from Does like- the, eat a hot dog? Or it was, oh no, 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 it's after the date. He takes her back home after the whole thing. And because like she just spilled a bunch of shit on his pants and pretends to suck his, it looks like she's sucking his dick. He's like, huh, I'm used to women I can figure out in five seconds, but I can't do that with you because he's a moron. And then Gerard Butler just super perfectly, he's like, he's an idiot. And I figured you out in two. I told him good night and stick your tits out. We're gonna get this one last shot. So, the way he says he's like an idiot does, too like is so perfect. That scene really well, yeah. Yeah, she's great, but yeah, I love that Jarvis is just a fucking moron. Are you kidding Fuck me? Because I think that's the great thing about his character too is that, like, yeah, for sure, he's super dated and misogynistic in a lot of ways. But I think it is coming from a place where he's just like, I don't know. I think he's both. He's kind of like a both sides thing where he's just like, listen, everybody's kind of a fucking scumbag in their own way, and everybody wants yeah. certain base things that I think we can all kind of agree. Like a part of us will always want certain things, and I think that he does a good job of I don't know like he makes him likable he makes him endearing yeah. and like you can tell like he's not like a horrible person or anything he's just kind of like yeah no, he, he clearly got fucked up by some woman like it's pretty clear what happened to the guy like that's what happens to most of these fucking guys no guy just automatically is just like yeah I'm women. gonna yeah I'm gonna host the show <laughs> about uh, talking shit about women he's not an incel you know what I mean no, like no, no, he's, he's like the, the opposite of an incel which I think is tight like he's no like, if he looked he a little different pussy. he would probably go the incel route but because he looks like Gerard Butler he's my friends were also so upset <laughs> about how his nephew just like gets to be at the studio they were like uh -huh. how did he get there yeah just just let this 13 year old check in at the front desk here's a here's a badge go on ahead buddy just find, you'll find your way <laughs> yeah i also uh, love that when that kid's introduced gerard butler's playing like voicemails on his mailbox that is just a repeated good voicemails of women just basically coming on his voicemail like <laughs> where are you mike <laughs> The whole existence of the nephew and like him living with his sisters for some reason didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But I, was like, I thought they were just going to reveal that that was his house. kid when they first cut to him with the kid and everything. I was like, oh, he's a dad. He's like a single dad, which I actually yeah. thought would have been interesting. I think if this would made now, yeah, he would have had a kid that would be his kid. And I think more importantly, I think the scene that we are missing is like, yes, we get to see Mike flirt with a bunch of hotties, but we need to see him beg a couple. Like, like that movie Sleeping with Other People, the Leslie Headland movie with Allison Brie and Jason Sudeikis. But you get to see Jason Sudeikis like take a couple girls home and he's not like a slime ball about it. You get to see him in action. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe like how we're a little more, I mean, I also respect a rom-com that takes the female side. I hate Judd Apatow for like, <laughs> like recentering like the male in these movies it's like who cares like you guys have everything now you have this too great but i think that like that is what this We're movie is missing is like <laughs> is like voice. being able to see like gerard like workers magic on like an unsuspecting yeah yeah i, mean, I would have liked to see him do that a little more because well, we get they, to see her on some date so it'd be nice right. to see him on and his couple. his kind of to your point earlier both you guys were saying like his ethos it while it is 
of course, like misogynistic and performative on some level. Part of what he's, what he's saying is like, we do all these things and create all these barriers and pretend to like, you know, like Catherine Heigl having this fantasy. It's like, but what do you really want? What do you really yeah. want? Like people are much more totally. simpler than they let on and they just create all these ideas and, you know, pretend that like, oh, well, this is the way it's got to be when really you don't actually want that thing. And that's obviously what Catherine Heigl realizes at the end of the movie when she has her whole you know, confession to, uh, to Dr. Yeah. Cohen, but no, um, I, no. And I think that there's, uh, there's obviously truth to that, but I, is it ugly? Know, I think it can get ugly. I think that, I think that is true. And I think that's part of what works about the movie. Obviously it's not trying to be like a realistic, like, you know, interrogation of like, you know, a battle of the sexes or something like that. I think it's just trying to be kind of fun and, and, and R rated and, you know, a little corny and does its job. You know, I love at the end too, when they're at the um, hot air balloon festival, super spoiler alert. And they're um, his run to get her is like such a medium jog. Like it's so tight. Like he's like, I, we were just like, dude, he's hung over he's like, but not, not breaking press. a sweat. <laughs> he knows that even when you have to run to the airport, don't run too fast. That's yeah, right. no, you don't want to look like, like a bitch. So <laughs> you don't want to be desperate, but you want to show that you're passionate. <laughs> After they make out, the movie's done. Like everything else is epilogue and I don't care. So it's like, was it that funny? No, because like I already, you know, like because the movie already came, like it already like busted its nut. They made out. Yeah. I'm done now. Yeah. Well, I love yeah. that Colin. I love that Colin. She's like, what? Do you like me? And he's like, because you're pretty and because you're blah, blah, blah. And then to Gerard, she goes, why do you like me? He literally goes, beats the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't, no, but I think that's that's such a great answer. He's like, I don't fucking know, but I love you. Like, I have no idea, but I'm in love with you. And yeah, I mean, obviously, and then the calling guy's like, can you don't try to, you don't try to control the situation, you know? And you, you suck my dick when I want you to. And and I think that's (laughs) great. Well, no, actually what's unbelievable and like the other like amendment that I think it would have now. But she's saving her virginity. No, she's not saving her virginity. virginity but she's like saving she's saving their fuck for like a better time and it's like i'm sorry like no no. because you're not just like you're not just like making him wait you're also making yourself wait so i'm just like even in that situation if colin is supposed to be like yeah so it's like so you're just not coming she's pent up she's coming (laughs) she's full to the brim yeah i mean shout shout out to her though for for honestly the most savage thing she did the entire movie (laughs) is when she goes out in the hallway and she's like do you want me to ask colin to leave I was like, that's oh, fucking yeah. gangster. Like, she would be like, hey, dude, listen, you got to fucking go, man. I'm about to fuck this other guy. And it's just not going to work out between us. Thanks for coming. Hop on a flight. See you later. Yeah. That is true. I mean, I think I don't even know if Colin needed to be like more likable. I always wonder that in these movies. I'm like, does it just work to just have them be an archetype where they're just yes. kind of like a one or two dimensional, just like boring Case partner? by case. But yes, I think like having them be flat is like usually better. There's obviously exceptions. But like, that's one of the things that I liked so much about Palm Springs last year is that like the tertiary, like other characters are, you know, low grade shit. Connor O'Malley. Yeah. It's like they're, they're (laughs) like Yeah. And Meredith Hagner from Search Party is so fucking She's so good. That's what I think you really need is you need someone so good at being that that one dimensional character. And the guy who plays Colin, again, later plays a super believable racist He is born to play that part. He is born to be. But yeah, he's pretty eh. Yeah. Giving that to a more dynamic actor would just be distracting. I mean, if somebody was like killing that. Yeah, you'd be like, well, this guy seems kind of great. You yeah. Know, but. Well, I think that was not that it's a rom-com, but I remember when we saw that movie like crazy with Anton Yelkin and, and, um, Lissy Jones. I just remember thinking when he's breaking up with Jennifer Lawrence, I remember being like, this chick seems way cooler. For sure. Like and you should like definitely just... stay with her. And I think it's also a part of Jennifer Lawrence is really fucking good in that scene. Yeah. And you feel really bad for her, but also it's just like, yeah, I don't know. This girl seems a lot 
cooler and like better. I don't know. So yeah, maybe you don't want someone to be so good that you're like, oh, yeah, wait a second. Unless it's like a, you know, having to choose between two people thing, which. Well, yeah, that's different. But yeah. you, need, you need the decoy fuck fuckhead. Okay, I've got you. I'm in position. Can't say today was boring. You're being nice. I embarrassed you. No. You're just um, not what I'm used to. I know. No, you know what? Actually, it's a good thing. You know, I'm used to women I can figure out in five seconds, but I can't do that with you. He's an idiot. I figured you out in two. Now tell him goodnight and stick your tits out. I'm gonna give this one last shot. Well, goodnight then. Should we talk about it. critics? Oh, please. I mean, I hate them, but let's go for it. It's not surprising this movie has a 14%. I'm not surprised. Uh, this movie did get an A- cinema score, though. Audiences loved it so much that yeah. they... Fucking put three hundred twenty million in the 320 bank. Three hundred twenty million with this movie that cost thirty eight million to make. Uh, so it was a huge success. Slightly higher audience score has a sixty percent, so it's just barely fresh. Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald said the ugly truth is insulting the women, men, and even goldfish. Oh yeah, that's a scene that Maya was really upset about too. She no Lauren. Lauren was like, well, why isn't she saving the fish? Stephanie Zachary, Zacharick of Salon said until that final inevitable kiss, we have to listen to them and the clatter of their crude brainless exchanges is unbearable. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, toss this ugly ass crap to the curb along with the other multiplex garbage and see a romance that gets it right. I'm talking about 500 days of summer, which is, is yeah. The ugly truth is better than 500 days of summer. I and think more, so too. I'm sorry. I think it's much better. 500 days of summer is actually about a fucking boy. E-boy. And that is the birth of, yeah, the modern nice guy who's like, why doesn't yeah. she want to fuck me? She keeps telling you she doesn't want to fuck you, idiot. And then he's like, she broke my heart. She told you she didn't want to fuck you. That's all I could think that whole movie. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, she, yeah, but she likes the Smiths, dude. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, that whole movie, I just was like, listen, she sucks. You suck. She doesn't want to fuck you. She told you she doesn't want to fuck you. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't care about this. <laughs> Manola Dargis of the New York Times said, a cynical, clumsy, aptly titled attempt to cross the female-oriented romantic comedy with the male-oriented gross-out comedy that is interesting on several levels, none of them having to do with cinema. Well, so no what shit. is interesting about it? The Austin Chronicle said, taken as a whole, the ugly truth is much like its orgasms, phony and unsatisfying. Yikes. Gotcha. Alan Taylor of NPR said, the ugly truth serves up yet another tightly wound career woman ripe for chopping up, tenderizing, and ravishing by an alpha male who knows what's good for her. I think that's a fair criticism. Like sure. I, Obviously, she's literally like the John Mulaney stand-up that's like, there's no single guys in New York. Like, <laughs> she is that woman. <laughs> Finally, though, one review that was really funny came from Armin White. Fuck yes. Who also, Armin White loves Gerard Butler. Anyway, his review, the, the headline of the review is, send in the adults. The Gerard Butler, Catherine Heigl rom-com pairing is so gay. Huh? Adapting the tough, sarcastic bounce of Katy Perry's Hot and Cold as its theme song, The Ugly Truth pretends to switch gender stereotypes with Mike schooling Abby on how to attract the man. His machismo counters her feminist cluelessness. This odd device is so cynical that the heterosexual mechanism turns strangely gay. Mike is virtually Abby's gay best friend counseling her love life from the sidelines. And then he, when he describes uh, Gerard Butler later in the review, he says his ferocious performance as King Leonidas in 300 turns Zack Snyder's stroke book caricature into a powerfully grave alpha male portrait that kind of great physical pure cinema acting the oscars overlook god damn thirsty for that fucking sweater with the writing on the back yeah i just love that the headline was like this movie's gay who's the mvp i think we're all gonna agree 
yeah, I think it's Catherine I think it's Heigl. Ms. Heigl. I do, but I do want to give honorable mention to the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Nick Cersei, who plays the her boss, especially his, deli- his delivery oh, yeah. when he's on the phone with the producer and he's like, it's all part of the show. It's sort of like an Andy Kaufman thing that we're doing. Um, like, yeah. I, pre- I appreciate moments like that. <laughs> Ray Turner. You think that this guy's Andy Kaufman? Uh, yeah, that he was really so funny. convinced that he is this guy. He's sick. He's he's sick. Bree Turner is the associate producer. Joy John Michael Higgins, Cheryl Hines. That's my my shout out. But yes, I, I would agree that it is Catherine. Yeah, Heigl. and Catherine Heigl is one of those people too that I, I like. I don't know who. Like I've never fucking met her. That people are like, oh, Catherine Heigl, and like my girlfriend. I always wonder about, about that? that because yeah, I, just, I, I think like, there's a double cool. standard. There's a lot of guys yeah, who are clearly exactly fuckheads who said. people are like. I mean, but he's great. Like Justin Timberlake, you know. And people like, know that they're assholes, but they get a second. So Catherine Heigl, I'm like, well, how fucking difficult was she really? Yeah, did like, she stand is, up for is, herself? This is, yes, you this know? is the, so I, I, I'll fully admit I did like 10 minutes of research on this. I didn't really dig that deep. But what I, what seems to be the inception of all of like the souring of, on Catherine Heigl is that she was nominated for uh, an Emmy or she, she withdrew herself as a nominee for the Emmys for Grey's Anatomy because she didn't feel like the writing and the material and stuff was up to her standard. Yeah, they made like, her fuck a ghost. <laughs> yeah, so 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 like they, the the producers of course like flipped out, but but Shonda Rhimes, the creator of the show, was like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, whatever. yeah, I'd be like, I don't yeah, give a fuck. Shonda Rhimes is cool. Like Shonda has a problem when people end up being like she's notorious in a good way for like if you are a dude that like did something shitty, um, she'll like kill your character in a in a tight brutal way even, i also even, think judd apatow was talking shit about Catherine. It was, i think a lot and of it like, had to do with knocked up and, yeah, and judd apatow saying like that, that she, she yeah oh yeah because she questioned some things on set she was like this yeah. feels kind of like fucked up or something she was just yep. like i don't know about this and i guess they were like she doesn't know how to party with the boys well she yeah, said she said like, like some that. of the stuff was shallow like some of the portrayals of women were a little little, little like silly whereas the men got to do a lot of fun stuff and were like more fleshed out which, which is, is a fair a, point yes fully fair i feel like criticism. now we've come around you know yeah yeah i feel like seth rogan has kind of like evolved the best out of that group to be like yeah i think a lot of that shit is immature yeah. and like clearly was like a product of its time and like whatever like that's what people liked at the moment and and so i think I she got know. an unfair rap okay and fletcher director of 27 dresses described her as having the quote it factor she further explained you can't buy it you can't learn it you can't create it it just is we haven't had one of her in many years julia roberts sandra bullock meg ryan those have been our go-to girls for romantic comedies for a long time, but we haven't had a new one. Katie, as she calls Katherine Heigl, mm. has beauty, vulnerability, identifiability. She's funny, charming, lovely to watch. Her slightest eye movement is captivating. You know instantly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think I she's really good. And I think she is good and knocked up too. Like we're a couple of stands for Catherine she'll Heigl. Be, she'll be back on the podcast whenever we do Bride of Chucky and Valentine. I don't know what to give this movie for a final rating. I'm a little oh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I think it's either yeah. a train wreck or it's, like <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty good movie. Like it's skipping out that middle, but it's somewhere caught in between them. But because this is my genre, I'm going to give it pretty good. Yeah. It's like a Larry David, like pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can do that. For a 2000s rom-com. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. It's like, as a movie, it's like, I would never be like, you got to watch it. But like, I don't think you would be, I would be like, yeah, I don't think you'll be upset that you watched it. It's totally exactly. easy to throw on and surprisingly more charming than it should be probably. So I was just listening to Eric Bana on uh, Mark oh. Maron's podcast. Another and, guy who could be yes. like in the pocket of Gerard Butler. That's right. So, yeah. so, and, and I think they're very similar in that like what Hollywood tries to do so much of the time is make these people, these men, like leading men when they have so, and, and the sad kind of truth is 
a leading man is not fun to play. Like almost always you have no. to carry the film in a way that's not, you don't get to have fun. No. And right. it, people like Colin Farrell and Gerard Butler and Eric Mana, it's like Hollywood like Matthew tried, McConaughey is the only one that gets to like. Yeah, but they tried to make them into these leading men. And then as these guys aged and became saltier and, you know, more bloated or whatever it is, they they, yeah. they can play. You physically believe them as characters. They're they're all doing their best work, in my opinion. Not everybody can have like the Tom Hanks career where they're just like, yeah, I'm just a solid guy who can play your lead role. And like, especially it just kind of neuters them because especially a guy like Eric Bonnet, who like when he came out, man, like Chopper is fucking crazy. Like Munich, he's great. Even Black Hawk Down, he has a small part in he's really good in. But I think he has like more of a character actor vibe. Like, I think he seems like he likes to disappear a little bit into something. And I mean, it seems like there's more actors now who are able to subvert that a little bit. Like Tom Hardy, I think could have easily been pigeonholed into that. And I think that he's kind of found a way to be like, I'll be a leading man, but I'm also going to mumble halfway mm-hmm. through your movie. So that get what you get. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Listen to him and Benicio. They're like, listen, if you want us, we'll do it. <laughs> but you're not going to understand anything. I <laughs> the Federal Reserve. Same like the whole city go against me. Only bank that's never been robbed. Every time I'm in the street. That's why we're gonna rob it. I hear There's $800 billion in there. They're casing the joint from the inside. How are you gonna get out of this one? Keep watching. Den of Thieves. Message. Rated R. It's time we travel down from Sacramento to the streets of L.A. Quote, unquote, the streets yeah. of L.A. AKA. L.A. <laughs> Atlanta with Den of Thieves, a film that begs the question, what if you remade Michael Mann's Heat after crushing a monster energy drink? The film begins with a bang as a group of Marine, former Marines hijack an armored truck, leading to a shootout with LAPD and resulting in our dirtball crew becoming newly minted cop killers. Hot on their tail is the drunkest, scummiest cop David Ayer never wrote. Big Nick O'Brien, played by Gerard Butler, and his gang of Sheriff's Department greaseballs. We soon realize that Big Nick has history with the heist crew, led by recently paroled Merriman, played by Pablo Schreiber as well as 50 Cent and the guy who played Shutter Bob in 8 Mile. We all grew up playing high school football in Torrance and have since gone in different directions in life with Big Nick, leading the biggest gang in Los Angeles and Merriman just trying to survive after giving years of service to the biggest gang in America, the United States military. To gain insight into Merriman's crew, Big Nick kidnaps bartender getaway driver Donnie, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., and mm-hmm. milk him for information regarding the group's next big job. What proceeds is essentially a 140-minute dick measuring contest that culminates in a traffic jam shootout between the rival crews. Big Nick is continuously thwarted by alcoholism and divorce, as well as the realization that Merriman and his crew might be smarter than his slimeball cop brain can comprehend. I mean, I do feel like this movie, because like it, it's still rotten, obviously we're covering it. It's at 42%, but like that is how I do feel like sexist and misogynistic like critics are, like because it's not, come on, like listen, they're both great movies. I think they're both wonderful, but like this one gets like the dude pass. So it sits at 42% over on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm so curious, Courtney, to hear what you think of this movie. I, obviously I know what Max thinks, oh, but- I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> I, I, this is truly one that I don't understand why uh, like that people didn't like it more. Like, I, I just don't I think that people don't like him. I think unfairly. people automatically associate Gerard Butler, the writer of London has fallen and a January release date with like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is going to be bad. Like, so I think critics come with their knives out for it where they're just like, yeah, this is going to be, listen, I didn't yeah. think it looked good when it came, when they showed the trailer for it, like they're, it didn't look fucking good. It's a pretty like generic trailer. Like a lot of guns being loaded. <laughs> yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of that. I thought and, that it was going to be kind of like the town, which I think is like, it 
thinks it's smarter than it is. Like this one is at least like dumb where it needs to be. And the lead really embraces how dirtbaggy he is. Like, no, no, no. I I really, really liked this movie. It's not a movie that like, it it just showed me that I should click play on anything with Gerard Butler because I'm going to kind of like it. Yeah. (laughs) Morgan, did you see this in theaters when it came out? I did. I think I saw it twice. Whoa. Yeah. Well, those were the movie pass days. Well, yeah. And this oh, is, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I forgot about you and your movie pass. How, wait, how long is this movie? I didn't feel two hours like and I'm 20 not minutes. complaining. Two hours, two hours and, 20. and 20 minutes. Okay. And I watched it the director's cut, which two. is two and a half hours. A lot more big Nick divorce stuff. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> I bet it's about his wife because there was just, that just felt like a little, it felt a little unbuttoned to me. Like I would have liked to have seen more unhappy you know, it domestic is, stuff with his I'm wife. But I'm so glad it's there because I mean, listen, if you rewatch it, like when I rewatch Heat the last time, Heat's a masterpiece. I wouldn't fucking change anything in it for the world, but like you don't need Pacino at home with the Natalie Portman daughter character and the, you know, the wife mm-hmm. and the, the guy watching his TV, but it's great. You don't necessarily need it. And I think that's, what's so funny about Den of Thieves is that like, it is kind of like heat fan fiction in like the funniest way where it's, <laughs> it's, it's so pure. But I think the reason that this movie is so good is because it somehow is able to be so fucking pure in its intentions. And like, it still has the slightest kind of nudge to the audience of like, yes, I know this is kind of a heat ripoff. And this has a little bit of every one of these movies kind of sprinkled throughout. So I don't think it's a completely oblivious to what it's doing, but it's not self-aware in an obnoxious way, which I think is like the magic trick of the movie. It's just like, it's it's half purity, or I think mostly purity mm-hmm. with just a hint of self-awareness. And that's yeah, because just the right amount. The first two scenes that Gerard is in, he is eating. Like yep. for the like two out of two scenes up at the top, he's just fucking eating. It also begins with like, I feel like a level of shootout that's usually the finale. <laughs> like I was like, what the fuck? Like did this yeah. thing just start playing? Pops off. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Because like, I'm not, when they ask this is not they... my genre. <laughs> like the most movies like this that I watch consistently are probably like the John Wick movies for obvious reasons that we do not have to get into. So like, that's like the most like shoot and punch that like I consistently will go to. But this one's like very shooty very quickly. Some of the dialogue is like cliche and familiar in a way that's just like, yeah, it's just like you could pick that line out of a million genre movies. But I think that there's this simplicity with some of the dialogue that is so realistic to these types of guys that I think is actually fucking great where it like, even after that shootout, when they go back to the place and then Pablo Schreiber's like, what the fuck happened? You know, one of their guys gets killed. They kill a cop or two cops and 50 Cent just simply is like, shit popped off. Um, And someone else (laughs) says it was an inside job, bro. Yeah. But I'm like, this is how these guys would talk to each other. Like, Yeah, it's great because so many times, because it is part like cop procedural, but it's like, But it doesn't think that cops are smart. It's like no, I think it knows that cops are fucking dirtbags, and so just like bro is an inside job, bro, and like they they're like dumb and scummy. Like they're not Denzel characters; they're Gerard Butler characters, and that's why this movie's fucking tight. Yeah, these these are these these are hardened criminals, by the way. I mean, as Max mentioned, Marines they were Marsocs, so that means like special ops. They for sure killed people overseas. You know, they get hyped up on action, just like a lot of cops. Like the cops want the fucking action. They want the heat. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, these guys, I love the juxtaposition. Like the cops are just as jacked up to go shoot it out in the streets as the criminals are. You oh, know, yeah. and that, that's what I think they get. I right. think even more so because we'll talk about the final shootout later on. But like when I was watching the final shootout this time, I was like, this is so fucking irresponsible of the, the cops in that scene. They know 
Yeah, they are in a traffic jam with like literally like Tons civilians of sitting ducks. And they're literally like, if we get out of the car right now, they know that these guys are just going to start firing on them. I was like, that is the most irresponsible fucking move that these cops can make. Because public drivers, like, they're not ready to shoot. They're just like, all right, fuck it. We got to do what we got to do. And it's not. And the thing is, that is not unprecedented. Like, no. I remember several years ago in Times Square, cops like accidentally shot like 12 civilians in a shootout with some random yeah. guy, gunman. And then we'll talk about it later, too. But I, I this makes me think of the North Hollywood bank robbery in 97 for uh, sure. on, on Laurel Canyon. We'll get to that later. But yeah, it's like there is a precedent for this kind of insane shootout I mean, just, in the street, Wild West, Wild yeah. West behavior by cops. Just two years ago when there was that the the uh, high speed pursuit that ended on um, Hyperion at that Trader Joe's. Oh, and yeah. the guy who was in the car ran into the Trader Joe's and the cops just started firing into the Trader Joe's and killed yeah. the store manager. Yeah. So, yeah, it's obviously not unprecedented. Shit popped off. I've seen this movie three times now. And I think that like the first time I was just so pleasantly surprised by it, I was like, oh, this movie is kind of cool. And then I was like, it's dumb, but like it's fun. And then watching it like this last time, one thing I was like, it's so fucking sincere and pure in its own way that like and i do think that it has a really actually interesting portrayal of those two worlds where it's like with heat it's kind of the same thing where it's just like they're both they both love the chase they mm -hmm. both are like obsessed with each other with this it's like they're both obsessed with it but it's, it's this working class background where it's like these two guys that grew up in south la and for a movie that's not shot in south la it's shot in atlanta has a very specific south la vibe like all the guys in it just feel so realistic and authentic to that neighborhood and like it, there's just something about it that's interesting where it's like it, it is these two working class guys that have grown up and gone in different directions and i loved it with big nick and, and his crew like they're so unapologetically corrupt and and mm -hmm. fucked up and he even tells him he's like i'm a part of the biggest fucking gang in the city which yeah. is true. He's like, I am a part of a massive gang and like, you will never take us down. And I love that the movie positions both of them as like, everyone's kind of a scumbag in their own way, but there is, there are shades of gray in there that I think come through in really interesting moments, like surprisingly interesting moments that where it doesn't need to be that interesting in a movie like this. This easily could have been a fucking hundred minute, just mm -hmm. quick action movie, but it wants to be a heist movie. It wants to be a uh, procedural it, it has so much on its mind that like, yeah, I didn't know that it was also a heist movie at that point. I probably would have watched it by now, but because I think that you put it best or like the trailers, like guns clicking. I was like, yeah, no, that's like not totally for me. But as the movie gets chugging along after the big like shootout, I'm like, oh, this is absolutely like a genre that I enjoy. But yeah. then it's smart enough to be like, yeah, our characters are shitty. And those Shay Jackson Jr.'s characters, I think the character that even from like, before you know any sort of twist, I think he does feel the most like someone you know. Grounded. Like yeah. yeah, like he feels like the most like relatable guy there. So you like him a lot. I love that they go to a Benihana's. Where the food sucks, apparently. Um, <laughs> the I mean, best part of that true. is that literally in this like heat fan fiction world, Christian Gutierrez was like, we're going to recreate the Pacino De Niro meetup scene, but it's going to be in a Benihana. <laughs> And what I love, what I love about that is that you, you, you know, we, we talk about heat and like they obviously there is the iconic scene that you're referring to. And what I liked actually so much about this movie is yes, obviously Pablo Schreiber and Jar Butler's character share words, but mm -hmm. a lot of it, they don't, a lot of it, mm -hmm. they say nothing to each other. And it's just oh, looks. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, the whole gun range sequence where they just are shooting yeah, it out scene is and looking at each other, you know, and the way when, when he goes to his house and he just slept with his girlfriend or whatever, that stripper. And he's yeah. like, they don't say 
anything, it's, almost anything to each other. It's just like these lo- these like super roided out hyper masculine looks of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you want to fuck with me? Like, <laughs> they, don't, they don't they don't actually say anything. Um, fucking incredible. The gun range scene. I've never wanted to fire a gun more in my life. <laughs> I've never fired a gun in my life. <laughs> the way that the world looks, I increasingly more and more want to learn how to use a gun. But yeah, watching this scene with them at the gun range, I was like, holy shit. I you just feel... want to lift weights and shoot guns. Dude, this whole, that's the thing that I love about the, these movies too, is that like, it's funny, like I talked to, not big Nick, uh, little Nick. I talked to our Nick about, oh about Den of Thieves. And I think it's funny. I've even talked to like my brother recently about it. How like, you know, my, I think like my brother and I, we both grew up with a dad who's very much like not a classic dad. He's a hairstylist. He's very yeah. like concerned with how he looks and uh, didn't play sports with us or anything like that growing up. He's not a very like tough guy, but I grew up being so fascinated by movies like this. And I think it's kind of that same thing that like people like Scorsese have with like that world where it's like, I'm not a masculine person, but like masculine masculinity is so fascinating when it's done right and when it's presented in an interesting way. And I think that's why I love Michael Mann movies because there's something about the Michael Mann movies and, and this movie that's so fucking and like point break that Catherine Bigelow really gets that with like the homoeroticism between these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best just, one. They're just like in love with each other and yeah. they're, they're obsessed with each other. And that's why I was saying, I think I texted yesterday, I was like, I feel like these guys are so fucking into what they do that it's almost like when basketball players like don't have sex before a game because they're just, they yeah. don't want to release anything. I feel like these guys don't fuck before a job they're so mm-hmm. serious about it that they're like oh, yeah I I mean, you, on the job that, that friday morning where the where the big heist is going to happen you've got gerard smoking a cigarette on the beach by himself staring mm-hmm. out into the ocean thinking about pablo shriver and then pablo shriver's laying in bed with his hands behind his head thinking about gerard and it's like it doesn't get more homoerotic than like looking at the ocean or laying in bed mm-hmm. thinking about your opponent like <laughs> i just love that these guys are both getting jacked up to to finally bang and then when they do, which we'll talk about, is like the respect that they have for each other. Exactly. You know? And that's it's, yeah, that's the heat component where it's like these two guys who are like, I they disagree with each other's lifestyles, but they respect each other so much. I don't even think they totally disagree with each other's like I don't no, think I don't Gerard think so really cares about the bank being robbed. Like I don't think no. he cares that he when he thinks that hostages are hurt, he just knows that like he's he on really this side and that's what people. he does. <laughs> but I don't think he fucking cares at all. And the no. other guy, yeah, the other guy I think, yeah, he cares more about like robbing the bank or whatever, but they both just want to like have theirs. And that's what I like. It's not even that they disagree with each other's lifestyle. They're just on opposite sides of the same thing. They're yeah. just guys who work. It's a job. Yeah. A I job think for this both movie does a good job of showing that like to someone who was born in like suburbia, who has, you know, is raised in middle America and is like, you know, the law is the law and you follow the law. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of the way it goes. And if police tell you to do things, you do it and blah, blah, blah. But right. For people who like in Pablo Schreiber, 50 Cent and Cheddar Bob's world, they probably all of them know at least one person or family member who's gone to prison. And that's just something that you come to expect. It's like, well, at some yeah. point in your life, you're going to go to jail. So what's it going to be for? Who are you going to get to know? What kind of relationships are you going to make? And when you come out of jail, what are you going to do? Like like being a criminal to them is no different than being a cop. It's it's like the, the, the line is that thin. And well, I do like yeah. that the movie doesn't glorify police. It's it's. I don't know about you guys, but at times you find yourselves rooting for. Oh, I definitely one hundred percent am all the about. The criminals are a little cooler. I mean, having like O'Shea Jackson Jr. is just fucking cool. Like he has like a he's cool super likable. He's really charismatic. Yeah, yeah. I, I fucking like him every every fucking thing Doesn't that do he does. Doesn't do a great English accent, but other than that, no. Great guy. What did he ever? Why? At the very end, 
See, it's yeah. so oh, bad okay, that you, okay, you okay. almost don't notice it because you're like, it's wait, just, why is he talking like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and you, I, thought you, there, I thought you were saying that there was a whole movie and I was like... I think that's the whole thing that I love about this movie is that it, 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 it comes from such a fucking blue collar working class background of guys mm-hmm. where they're just like, everything is about survival. It's always, these guys are always in fight or flight mode and, you know, especially for the Pablo Schreiber character, you know, they're in the fucking, they're in the army. He obviously is not living the life that he thought he was going to be living. He gets out of jail. And I love, you know, guys like, I'll see you soon. And he's like, no, you won't. And he's doing what he has to do to survive. And I think that's the great thing about all these movies and these bank robbery movies. And I think that was something that was missing from Cherry when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Another movie about a real life bank robber who was in the army who had PTSD. It's what we choose to criminalize and what, how we decide to label criminals is pretty fascinating in a lot of ways because these guys are, they're robbing banks. And it's the whole classic thing of like, we're not here to hurt you. We're not here to yeah. take your money. It's not your money. Exactly. It's the bank money it's the classic De Niro line and heat we're here for the bank's money that's the whole thing I think with bank robbers and why we find them I think so there's something so romantic about them is because they are outlaws and they're doing like something that's like yeah you're like you know what well they're not giving give it a... to you no but I think that's the whole thing is that like in a individualist society where people are taught to think for themselves and only look out for themselves there's something about that where they're like listen you created the society I'm gonna fucking get mine and I'm gonna survive mm-hmm. however I can I mean fuck it I mean even by like <laughs> to spoil it like by the end of the movie when you realize that Gerard and co like got had and that like ooh the actual mastermind was O'Shea you, like Gerard doesn't even seem bummed like he's kind of like tight. no I think he, like, he respects it yeah yeah like, he's like that's p- fucking cool I wish that's I would have talked to scene. him more it's a kind of a nod to another uh, movie, The Usual Suspects. Gerard Butler, I wrote down, has his Kaiser Soze moment while <laughs> knocking back a rolling rock in a downtown bar, which is just perfect. He's just drinking a beer and he's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. Like, he thinks it's just fucking cool. And I like that. Yeah. The only thing that made me suspect that that was going to happen wasn't like O'Shea's performance or the writing or the direction. It was just the fact that I felt like O'Shea's too famous to be this part. Because I was like, what, he's just a fucking getaway driver? Like, what? I feel like he's pretty famous at this point. Like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, maybe he, maybe he's smarter. But that's yeah. it. That's it. That's the... And he's great. So I have nothing... Yeah. I do want to shout out the... You know, Max talked about the location, even though they shot in Atlanta. I like the representation of Samoan Americans because yeah. like the second second largest group of Pacific Islanders in the U.S. after Hawaiians are Samoan Americans and especially in L.A. and those harbor communities like Long Beach, Carson, mm-hmm. Wilmington. Oh, yeah. Also like Oceanside, Compton, Garden Grove, and Orange County. I mean, just so, in L.A. in general, half our yeah. football team in high school was Samoans. You obviously don't <laughs> see that in film a lot. So I kind of no. fucking love, I mean, even though Gerard is incredibly racist towards Samoans uh, in the Benihana. I, I love the opening shootout the first time I saw it, but the, once we got to the Benihana scene, I knew I was gonna love this movie it's just so tight to think that someone cares like that much about their high school football that's team. what i mean it's Courtney, so incredible. i'm from ohio they fucking do no that, that's what's so great is that these guys are holding on to any glimmer of what their lives could have been i think at a promise like, whenever it was most promising for them yeah in their glory days and i think that's what's great is like i think like someone like vince vaughn gerard butler has the body and the look of an aging yes. jock he's bloated and yep he, you know and he put on some weight for this he put on 20 pounds and i mean he looks like in his head <laughs> in this movie and like purposely so like he looks like fucking shit but and, i mean like but, going the, back to say like when we were saying that like they're more similar than they are dissimilar because it's like yeah at that point like if you were to run and do a dude that also would like QB'd on like 
a weird like suburb of LA's football team, you should be like, bro, cool. What's up? Like, do you want to go to Hooters together? You you shouldn't be like, not if they're arrived. I I don't get that. It's like, but you guys were the same person in your school. That's why I think it's cool in this scene. Because I think that's the whole thing is that they both are like, I'm better than you and I can get out of this life. Whatever this Mm. life was that we both had, I'm better than that. Um, even, Even before we get to that scene, Big Nick's introduction on screen is literally Incredible. he comes he comes on and, and one of his guys in the major crimes division his crew says rough night and he goes yes <laughs> and then proceeds to pick up a donut that is part of an active crime scene which is maybe covered in blood eats it and then throws part of it back into the crime well, scene that's actually the second time we see big nick because the first time we see big nick is maybe one of the greatest character introductions of the last decade it is big nick rolling up to his wife's house that he's going through a divorce with mm. the crack of dawn after fucking a stripper listening to Everlast, what it's like the sun is barely up he looks like shit he's chewing gum he's chewing this gum so intensely it's basically like i'm about to chew the fuck out of the scenery in every fucking scene i'm in and you got to know this he's in his kitchen getting some like milk or water or something because he's hung over as fuck and his ex-wife comes down or his wife that they're like a stranger or whatever it comes yeah. down and she says well where are you are you at work and he's like yeah in a long night you know big job and she shows him a text that he accidentally sent her and says the stripper that he was fucking that says you a bad bitch that was so hot and the so is capitalized so is in all caps and hot is capitalized but here's okay so so i want to i want to give a shout out to that actress mm-hmm. uh it's either Don Don Oliveira or Oliveri. I forget mm-hmm. how to say it. But she is a excellent actress. I've seen her in a ton of other stuff. She was on the show House of Lies. She played Don Cheadle's wife, mm-hmm. our ex-wife, and she was super, super eccentric and and great comedy, great drama. But she's so good in this. And obviously, there's so little to do with a role like this. And, and yeah. she's fantastic. Oh, sure, yeah. And also, the one little detail, the insert shot of the text message conversation that we see, this is one of my huge pet peeves. Like in movies, they always fuck that up. It yeah. always looks terrible yeah. or fake. This actually looks like a real conversation between a like troubled marriage of a husband and wife. She literally says like, you know, can you pick up some cough syrup for our daughter or whatever, like the, by, by name. Mm-hmm. And he's doesn't respond. Just she's like, hello, with a question mark. And he's like, yeah, sorry, going to be a late night. And she's like, what time will you be bitch. home? And he just does it. So yeah. So I'm like, I, I appreciate that like little detail. Yeah. Uh, something like that for me was was huge. Also, like then it's when great. she's like, I fucking hate you, get the fuck out of my house. The thing that he keeps saying to her is slow it down. Slow it wifey, down. Wifey. <laughs> like, he, he says wifey. Wifey. Wifey, slow, slow it down. down. Gerard Butler. Like you can't compete. That guy would say wifey. The breakup for sure. During like during his hangover. So he's just like, slow it down, slow it down. Like he knows that he's <laughs> fucked and he knows that he's in the wrong, but he yeah, he can't keep up yeah I, I was oh, like this that's okay. when i started liking the movie a lot i was like oh this feels real it's and an he's great thing. in that when she's he's so good at that earnest kind of vulnerability when she's like beating him up and he's literally just not reacting he's just saying like that's great that's great like because she's doing it for the daughters yeah he, he, he's restraining himself like that, that there's so much vulnerability in in his face and that's like to me that's kind of his superpower yeah is to have that brash, big, leading male, bruiser, mm-hmm. bloated, ex-jock, whatever, but he still can bring the vulnerability. And later in the movie, when he breaks down by himself in the car, again, he's excellent. He's great. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best performance he's ever given. Like, I think he's oh. genuinely incredible in this movie. I think he's so I, fucking good. I love uh, P.S. I love you. It's a completely different kind of performance. Like, But he, ne- he really needs to sell the fact that he's just a bomb of charisma for that movie to work because his character dies really quickly. 
And then he right. kind of has to narrate it through letters. And so you really need to to love him and feel his absence. So I really like, I really like him in. I think he's just such a committed guy. Like, I think you can tell like how much, of him, yeah. like how much he's just putting into his work. And you can tell that he has a good time when he's acting. And I think that's important. Like you can tell that he showed up and was like, okay, fuck yeah. I'm going to put on the weight. I'm going to yeah. play Big Nick. Like I'm going to give you what you want. And he delivers. I showed you this via text, but like one of my, the first, one of the first notes I have for this movie, it was just like, oh, <laughs> Gerard Butler is like voice in this movie. It's just like Max's voice when he's like, I'm a dirtbag. It's like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm a scumbag. Still, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, of course, it's your favorite performance because you do a bite of it every day. <laughs> the scene of Gerard confronting his wife at the Rolling Hills estate house is so fucking cringe okay. in the way that you're just like, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like in the this. director's cut, it's much longer because that scene goes It's long on, already. And I was like, yo, this it's is brutal. So it's so uncomfortable. I love that his buddy is Irish for no reason. But just like, I was like this poor woman that he's like fucking playing the divorce paper like a kazoo. And it's just like, give me a fucking pen. To the yeah. guy and that poor guy who just seems like such a nice guy. He's just he's like, hey, man. stealing his glass of wine and drinking it in his face. There is no reason for that scene to even exist. And I'm so fucking glad that it does. And the fact <laughs> that it, first of all, there's no reason for it to exist in this movie. And there's also no reason for it to be that long. But it just it's goes on and it is unbearable. It is Gerard Butler just fucking drunk signing divorce papers at his wife's dinner party. Yes, just verbally assaulted. And then at the end, he says, when you're taking her from the back, when you look down, you're going to see a tattoo that says Big Nick. Is that in the director's cut? Yes. Oh, wow. They cut that from... Oh, did they? It's yeah. incredible. He tells the guy, he's like, when you're fucking my wife from behind, I want you to look down where you see a Big Nick tattoo above her ass and know that that's me. That's incredible. I can't believe they cut that. How's wine? That's pretty fucking good. So I imagine I just, uh, what, just sign anywhere, yeah? Okay. And I imagine it's assumed that if you were ever to touch one of my girls or say, talk to them, or, you know, even look at them, I go boom, boom, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, that's self-evident, right? There's no need to put that in the contract, is there? Just always gonna make a spectacle out of everything. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. All right, Nick, I think it's time to go. Hmm? Call the fucking cops. Listen, I'm, <laughs> call I'm, the I'm fucking, sorry, call but the it's, cops. it's time for you to go. Call the cops. I'm sorry. Don't fucking touch me. Also love when he's getting his divorce and he gets served in front of his boys. And I really actually love the actor who plays one of his, the the black guy in the police crew, Gus, who's played by a guy named Mo McRae, I think is really fun. Yes. Really like that guy. And Butler gets his divorce papers and his boy turns him and he says, welcome to the fucking club. Like all these guys are just divorced. Yes. <laughs> and it makes all... so much sense. <laughs> A hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing is like we're saying the line is so thin, like they are basically criminals who just decided to become cops, generates who just. This is the most perpetually divorced crew of guys like in LA. <laughs> Pablo Schreiber, I think, is also really fucking good in this. And I think yeah, he's I wanna, kind of I wanna, a really underrated performance. I want to get to him, but I also want to talk about uh, the actor you just mentioned when he's when we first, uh, when O'Shea gets like so illegally kidnapped and extorted in that yeah. hotel room, that actor Mo is literally just eating wings. And he's just like eating hot wings. He's like, take a seat, dog. And I'm just like, this guy. 
<laughs> these guys are all such fucking loose cannons. Yeah, there, there, there were a lot of moments where we get to see like Big Nick's crew in all their crime glory. But After Big Nick, you mentioned earlier, fucks Pablo Schreiber's girlfriend, which we find out that Pablo Schreiber wanted her to fuck him, which is incredible. That he like kind of nods. Of course he did. Good work. And uh, I love it because Big Nick, after he leaves the place, after fucking this guy's girl and thinks that he's just like, just fucking destroyed this dude, gets in the car and he gets on the radio with his boys and he just says, tell the crew, fuck this guy's girl. <laughs> <laughs> Send like, the group like, text. But yeah, Pablo Schreiber, an actor who I've been hot and cold on, I think. And I really kind of grown to like. Like, I don't really have. I mean, his biggest thing is The Wire. He's on American Gods now, which he's actually pretty good on from what I've seen. Uh, he's in 13 Hours, which he's good in. He is good in that. He's very good in 13 hours. He's in the Manchurian Candidate briefly with his brother, Liev Schreiber. Wait, that's actually his brother? Yeah. No. I was like, he just looks like the avatars that you get when you're playing GTA. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. Right. He's pretty handsome. I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah, in real life, he's handsome. And he is great through this movie. Again, like he he is kind of like a, a strong, silent type. He doesn't say a whole lot throughout the film. But my probably my favorite scene of him, actually, is when they're robbing the Pico Rivera savings and loan in the end. And he has a mask on mm -hmm. but just vocally his performance the way he's like commanding everybody is so good yeah my favorite line of his is in that scene too well first of all when they first come in and they're tying everybody up and says anybody got to go to the bathroom take a piss on yourself <laughs> and then my favorite thing is when he is on the phone with uh the hostage okay. negotiator who gets on and the guy's basically like hey my name is uh like jim <laughs> or whatever and paul shepherds goes i don't give a fuck who you are <laughs> <laughs> and then when he hangs up the guy goes god damn it i wrote that down that is the best i love a good just like side performance by like some character actor who clearly just came in to shoot for a couple hours the hostage <laughs> negotiator almost creates an interior life for himself in that moment because after Pablo Schreiber says, you just killed a hostage and hangs up on him. Cuts the hostage negotiator. He's just like this overweight, like typical, like LAPD cop. And this guy just goes, God damn it. Like this happens to him all the time. And he's just like, mm -hmm. fuck, not again. I killed another hostage. He's just so upset by this. Love the rival rivalry though, between Big Nick and the FBI cuck. Yes. Fuck you at each other outside of the bank. They literally just oh, say yeah. fuck that you at guy, each other for a minute straight. Just that guy in like 1997 would have been played by Dean Kane. Absolutely. He's the Colmini of Con Air of this movie. He's just like mm -hmm. the fucking annoying like FBI guy who's like, this is my crime scene. Okay. Big Nick is just pissing on it. <laughs> Max, to your point about the negotiator, the hostage negotiator, there's so all the day players in this movie are so good. Um, yes. And I, I hope I hope I'm saying this right. Malik Strouder, who plays Luigi. Luigi, I wrote works. down. Is great. It's fantastic. Wait, who is Luigi? He's the guy who works in the count room. But like, I thought those guys were just real dudes who worked there. They felt like real guys who worked there that they just asked to do the scene. Very sassy brothers. Yeah, that guy's fucking great. That guy's and, really and But all the other, like all the guards along the way, mm -hmm. the guy who works at the front desk, the guy who checks them in when they come in with the bank, uh, with the um, armored car and is like, just... Just be here on time. They, yeah, yeah. They all it's yeah. so often in movies you see terrible. Never yeah. forget in Christopher Nolan's was it The Dark Knight? The guy yells, "No more dead cops!" And you're just like, this guy's performance literally just took Christopher me out Nolan the is movie. the biggest director who has the worst extras, extras, like, extras I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there's also the guy on the ferry who's like, "Well, I think we should have a say in this." <laughs> no, I think and it shows you how important, especially in like genre movies like this. Obviously, you just mentioned the Safties are good at like just picking out little people to fit in the background where you're like, "Who the fuck is that?" And where mm -hmm. they it come makes from. a difference. It makes it, a difference. it makes a it, massive difference. The world feels more lived in, especially here because I think we you're talking about it goes back to that kind of working class thing where it feels like everybody is authentically working class and they're just doing their job everyone's doing a job it mm -hmm. never feels false it never feels like an actor just playing that part which i think is really fucking great but the like, traffic jam gerard butler when they're sitting in traffic 
and they're trying to figure out what to do. Completely unprompted, he just literally grabs his steering wheel. He says, he says, hua. Like it sounded like he was literally growling like a lion. Like he was he just, making I the mean, actual. He, he's jacking himself up for combat is what he's doing. He's like, they, they, yeah. know, they both know shit's about to pop off because Big Nick and his crew get out of the cars first. I, I love that moment where Pablo Schreiber realizes like we're gonna have to shoot it out. Yeah, and it's so again, it's so good. It's like so. One of my critiques about Ugly Truth was like the unnecessary exposition of her mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, I don't want to do that," you know, rather than have Pablo Schreiber say some line about that. He yeah. just has this look that's like, "All right, fuck it, we're gonna have to pop off." Every silent moment in this movie is a guy knowing to himself, "I'm about to pop off." <laughs> <laughs> that is the interior monologue of every actor in this movie. Is that's what Christian Gutig has told them? He's like, "Listen, things are about to pop off." It's as if. You're about to pop off. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, no, him I, obviously I asking that. for the soft, that fully automatic machine gun, which is just fucking insane that a civilian could own that. But I totally believe it because this is America. But oh, yeah. That he thing can have just, that. Yeah, I mean, I love, and the thing I love about that that shootout in the end, too, is like, one, one of the things that we should call out as well is how fucking good the camera work in this movie is. Yeah. I mean, the, the I didn't always great. know what was happening. I get very easily confused in like shootouts, car chases, et cetera. I did. I was always oriented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a the way they filmed the car chase, the, the, the stunt car scene where mm-hmm. O'Shea is driving for Paulo Schreiber the first time. But like yep. the way that the action is captured and, and it probably is very homage to Michael Mann. I love that in the shootouts, there's no score. There's no helicopter overhead. There's no sirens in the background. It's literally just the quiet and gunfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, and like Michael Mann, I think that they understand how powerful just the sound of a fucking assault rifle going off loud, is and how fucking loud, loud it is and jarring and frightening it is. Like imagining being stuck in traffic and just hearing that would be terrifying fucking terror absolutely terrifying when you when you do shoot a gun even with ear protection on it's astounding how loud it is i mean it's just like oh i'm sure yeah i've I've been to a shooting range once because i'm like irrationally scared of guns um so i decided to fucking try to get over it yeah Uh, Um, more scared now (laughs) yeah you should be good good yeah no it's good to be scared I do want to point out to you that I I think I was I was a little too critical of 50 Cent the first time I saw this. I actually think he's good at this. He's fine. He's good. Think, this movie's incredible because you don't 50 Cent should stand out like a sore thumb, but he doesn't. Like and when I first saw him I was like, "Or have you ever seen Waist Deep with Yeah. Tyrese and mm-hmm. the bad guys G unit?" Mhm. <laughs> And you can never forget the, the entire game. time. Oh, the sorry, sure. It's sorry, all sorry, a G sorry. unit. All yeah, the G they're unit. all they become like G meat. unit when they get together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like the game is a bad guy in that. He has some great lines. B- yeah. Big meat or something like that. Yeah, I love that movie. We have to do waist deep sometime. But in this movie, I forget that Fiddy is who is 50 cent sometimes he does like blend he i don't think that yeah. his performance like stands out to me but only because like everyone is so good but yeah. he doesn't yeah he doesn't stand out in a bad way he's a good actor and on all of these all of these i mean the casting is obviously excellent we talk about the movie being self-aware like courtney said that you know the first two scenes that we meet big nick he's eating and it's like in that second scene where he is when he's like you know the latino guy on his sheriff's crew pours some like tequila into his coffee or whatever the fuck and he drinks it then immediately asks for pepto as he's doing that mo mcray is just shaking up a protein shake which i'm like okay that to me that is self-aware it's like these are a couple of fucking juice heads about to get their rocks off talking about bank robbers my thing with 50 cent too that i was just going to say that i really liked is um i think he's really spoiler alert I think he's very 
good in his death scene. Oh yeah. That was a scene that really stood out to me this time. The score by Cliff Martinez, who's just like a go-to guy best. for this, did the drive score, he did a lot of Soderbergh scores. The score is really interesting in that scene. And once again, it's a movie that doesn't need to linger on the death mm-hmm. of 50 Cent's character, but Mo McRae and him are both really good in that scene. Mo McRae kind of stands over him and it's almost like the final De Niro Pacino scene in Heat where he's holding his hand while he dies. There's just something really weirdly moving in that scene mm-hmm. where they're both connecting with each other and both understand that it's over. He just stays there with him while he dies. So he's not alone. I don't know. It's just like, once again, like that doesn't need to be in this movie, but yeah. it makes it all the better for being here. Yeah. Um, said, he says it's in his hands now, yeah. which is like a oh, cool. They're bonding over their Christianity, but it's like, again, yeah, he shakes it's like, the protein shake. Yeah, it's in his hands. <laughs> now. Now. <laughs> yeah. But I think, he I think it down his throat. <laughs> again, we've, we've mentioned it a few times now, but to me that just, and to your point, Max, it's like just reinforcing that these guys aren't that different. Yeah. My, my only small, and I don't give a shit and obviously didn't ruin the movie for me at all. <laughs> The EMP, the like device that's just like a little toy with LED lights that O'Shea Jackson Jr. has in the, in the, while well, he's like trapped in the little, it's an electromagnetic pulse device that is supposed oh. to like kill the cameras. Fucking and, nerd. Well, they, in <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, they do like the same shit. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, say, it's like yeah, we got to yeah. knock yeah. out the power, yeah. which is just like, let me just have this device that would probably cause like destruction, but I'll just have a little one and beep, like, oh, okay, great. The camera's good. Yeah. So that, that I was like, that's kind of silly. And also, do we think the HVAC system could support O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s weight as he crawls through? I'm just imagining him falling through the vents into some he's guy's a big guy. Well, But <laughs> even just an adult man. I'm like any adult man. Like, I don't know that a, right. a ventilation vent could sustain that kind of weight, but I'll forgive it. I don't give a shit. Come Once on. again, there's plot holes that I was like, yeah, that obviously doesn't add up. There's oh, a lot of things are. that are just a little too convenient, but it doesn't really necessarily no, uh, matter to me. No. I'm so excited for Den of Thieves too. I hope it is. Is that really happening? It's been announced. It hasn't shot yet, but it's supposed to be in London. And I hope it materializes very soon because I think well, that the world is Gerard back. Place. Gerard, of course, is back. Absolutely. And now he wants to fuck this guy because the other guy's dead. Yeah. Uh, well, he That's does like- tell he does tell him at the bar when he first meets O'Shea. He says, "I'd fuck you." Oh yeah, Another that line is throwaway. Just in terms of cinema, like filmmaking, shout out to the sound mixing, the stunts, practical effects, all the camera oh, for work. sure. It's all fantastic. Everybody popped off. Number fifty-five, right? That's how I remember you. We wore the same number, 55, right? I went to South Torrance. Yeah, we played you guys a couple of times. Yeah, you and all those fat-ass Samoans. Yeah, they were big, but man, lazy because yeah, probably all that spam. Yeah, we fucking crushed you guys. Crushed you guys when I was there. Crushed you guys when you were there. Still crushing you guys. Got family here, bro. I really appreciate you popping off. All right. All right. Michael Saul, the San Francisco Chronicle, said clocking in at two hours and 20 minutes, it seems intended to have been a crime epic in the vein of Michael Mann's Heat about two men of talent and spirit who happen to be on opposite sides of the law. And it's sort of like that, if you can imagine a Michael Mann picture that has been set on fire and dropped from an airplane. <laughs> but you like that about it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, a lot of people just call it very, like, derivative which is like, yeah, of course it is. Sure. I mean, what the fuck isn't? And yeah, like not, we've been making movies for a hundred years. Like suck my dick. The Globe and Mail said, good, uh, good guess. First time director who wrote the script, Good Den of Thieves, and who has probably watched Michael Mann's Heat more than once, attempts to comment on humanity's complexities. But all he does with his soulless, hollow characters is make a solid case that men are violent sleazes. Listen, I think he does both. Yeah. <laughs> Personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it has the smell of self-importance, like a Michael Cimino movie on steroids, Den of Thieves ultimately fools no one. It's all about the guns. Yeah, I mean, nothing is really that bad for this movie. Like, nobody was, like, really, I I don't think, like, trying to fucking 
go against this movie. There were people that liked it. The LA Times liked it. No one gave it like an overwhelmingly great review. The Arizona Republic said Den of Thieves isn't a masterpiece by any means, but it's fun, exciting, and hard-boiled, and the actors are doing solid work. The rap said ultimately Den of Thieves falls short of its goal, but it gets points for aiming high. There are worse things than trying to be the next Michael Mann when few others would dare try, especially if they lack the enthusiasm oozing out of every frame of your imitation. That's, that's, okay, that's pretty that's, good. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. This movie was in development for 14 years. Oh, shit. And Christian Gutigas uh, and a writing partner had a blind deal with New Line Cinema in 2003. This movie was produced for $30 million and it made $80 million worldwide. Oh. And I think okay. it's done very well on DVD and streaming. It is a movie that I think is also just going to be a great... Like, I think if this was, you know, pre-streaming, I think this would just be like a all-timer cable movie. I think mm-hmm. this would be the movie that you just throw on when it's for on sure. TV and you can't look away. You're just like, I got to watch it. Listen... There's no point in asking this question, but the MVP of Den of Thieves is it's it's Big Nick. Yeah, Big it's Gerard. He is the movie. I would you have nominated Gerard Butler for supporting actor for Den of Thieves? Who were, what was the year and who else was nominated? But he's remember. the lead actor. I think he had the co-lead, but I feel like they would have Yeah, put him as I a just like actor. I I don't think it's like a this lead. Was actually I don't a think huge it's a lead year. performance, but I don't think it's yeah. Listen, if Lakeith Scanfield can get in for supporting actor, anyone can. This was a huge year for lead performances, actually. This was the year of Bradley Cooper and Star is Born, Christian Bale Advice, Ethan Hawke and First Reformed. This was the year that because Rami like, Malik won for Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, yeah. so take him out and put in fucking Gerard. Big Nick. I would rather I mean, have might that. as well, but like never gonna... Like, I would rather on, have that. On. I mean, obviously Bradley Cooper should have won, but... Final rating on Den of Thieves. That's another pretty good masterpiece. Oh, shit! <laughs> Hundred percent. I I just I don't I don't think people. I I hope that we have in this time illustrated some of the artistry. Like when I did shout out the camera work, the sound mixing, the <laughs> no effects, for sure. Like all of that is not easy to do, and there's so I did, much. I never hand out masterpiece. But there, I I don't I wouldn't either. But there's so much there's so much, and the Cliff Martinez. Well, we're score, talking about Big Nick. Yeah. No, it's true. If the ugly truth is good for being a rom com, I think Den of Thieves for fucking just straight up like I'm gonna write a love letter to my favorite genre movies. Yeah. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, but I when think you, you compare this to a movie like Takers, you know what I mean? Like oh, that for movie sure. is trash. It's just name, name another movie that is an action heist from the last. 10 years i think it's this yeah well i think that's the thing good. is that i think the sincerity of the movie hustlers, and that it was positioned when i consider it a heist movie yeah i think hustlers is another great one but like i think it's i think den of thieves is deceptively great like i don't think that on first glance you notice because it's not a very subtle movie it, and it, it's not trying to be but i think there are actually mm-hmm. a lot of things happening at once and the artistry is really on point like you can tell that i think christian good uh, it's his first movie that he directed it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great first movie and i think that you can tell like he you know he's he's imitating some of the best and so does every great I, director so i almost know? pick cult classic too because i also think that like watch him go on to make something that is more i don't know like widely accepted as being good and then people are oh this one's pretty good too but i think it might be i think it already is kind of a cult classic i think it's developing a cult following i think that it's really like people really are are, i think starting to figure out like oh wait den of thieves is actually really fucking good i was sleeping on den of thieves and i don't know what happened i mean obviously there were people at the time that didn't like it but uh, logan kenny who we had on the show wrote a review of it he called it big nick's dirtbag paradise um (laughs) This feels impossible because they both feel like movies that should just be available to stream. But I think that you have to actually go out and rent both The you Ugly do. Truth and Den of Thieves. Don't worry, it, I bought Den of Thieves. Oh, God. Or you can go to Morgan's house, but yeah. You can but, come so, to mine and watch the director's cut. One of the only bonus features on the DVD is just called Alpha Males. Perfect. What Incredible. is that? 
It's just interviews with all the cast. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what the, you're going to have to. Um, and if you want to follow along with us and get ready for next week, we're going to be joined by Rutten Rewind, frequent guest, Johnny Langan. Talk about two Greg Araki films. Because all of June, we're going to be talking about some rotten, queer movies. We're starting with The Doom Generation and The Living End. Two very famous Greg Araki cult movies from the 90s. I've never seen them. Do I have to actually physically go rent those too? I think you might have to. The Living yeah. End, I know, was on the Criterion channel for a little bit. I think I have to like go to Movie Madness. Let me see. But before we go, we got to thank Morgan yeah, for stopping bro. by and just fucking just popping, popping off. off with us. Thank you for popping off. I was wondering if you're going to squeeze one more in. I, I, I love popping off with you guys. And <laughs> I, always, I always appreciate you popping off. Such a, such a fan, even, even when family is here. Is but thank fan. you guys. I love the show. Big fan. Honored to oh be here. Oh my God. Thanks for having Dad, me. Dad, come back. For Please Michael mean, Bay, I'll be back. Remember for, again, like those listening, there's no better way to stick to the man than reviewing us on iTunes while you're on the job, working from home, and subscribing to all of our feeds on Spotify, Overcast, iTunes, um, while you do other things. That's what I do. Just be nice. And follow everything that we do on Instagram because, yeah, why We're, not? Why not? Get ready for a lot of a lot of big Nick photos this week. We're going to have some great Gerard I, photos from over the years. I'm so excited. Maybe his, perhaps. Perhaps his Dracula 2000 audition, which you can find on YouTube and is highly recommended. You've made me watch that again. Yeah.